0: Hi, everyone. We are currently here with Jonathan Tucker. Jonathan is a good friend of mine. He is currently going to be hosting a podcast on Planta Heist called Tucker Reports. And, um, Jonathan, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing fine. We just had a good talk with Kathy Lowell, and we got some more details on her case, from the detail detail about Piper Shores and how that factors into her persecution.
0: Yeah, how about you um, give the people a short... Just a brief summary about Piper Shores and connecting
1: to this um, to a an amazing woman who we are working with for this upcoming documentary.
0: Um, We can't say too much, but we can give them a little bit of brief info about um, Piper Shores.
1: Well, tonight our talk, the synopsis of our talk tonight, for me at least, uh, the takeaway for me is to remember is that Kathy Lowell was immediately persecuted as the result of not one, not two, not three, but four or more, major whistleblowing issues at a prestigious retirement facility in Scarborough, Maine, called Piper Shores. And she was persecuted by way of being committed to a mental health facility, is what comes out as you listen to her story. Uh, and then later, she's forbidden f- from seeing her mother... At the retirement facility, even though she was the power of attorney. The power of attorney was also taken from her while she was incarcerated in a mental health facility uh, by the sibling. While the husband ultimately took all the marital assets through a separation decree, which is a violation of Maine law because you don't separate your property through a separation. You do that through divorce. Very so we have a, a number of... Very,
0: very, very sloppy um, uh, process that happened with this woman and... Things got taken away from her very quick. They put a lot of labels on her. They said that she was mentally ill. They said that she needed help. You know, it's it's crazy about how many stories that this happens to, and, and it barely gets out. You know, um, they can't go to the court because it's already finished. And, you know, tell me about the the law to judges where they can't be persecuted
1: Well, the impression I have, the understanding I have superficial, by by way of superficial exposure to the laws in the state of Maine or in the country, I I recall, and I don't quote me on this, but I recall that they have essentially uh, immunity from prosecution. Certainly, I know I was reading an article on social service agents that take children from homes. Uh, They have a built-in immunity from prosecution so that uh, essentially there's a prevention, there's there's a firewall against any scrutiny... Uh, for any form of uh, c- corruption that is built into the very system and the fabric of the judicial system itself by granting them this protects, protected status. And uh, judges essentially have this, as far as I understand. Clearly, w- they do in terms of actual practice. Whether they do in theory uh, it is actually immaterial. The fact is that they are, what, are we, what one lady called the untouchables, the judges in the long, in the long black the Untouchables, yeah. And I, I, that's really a, a, you know, lovely segment that that one by itself. For,
0: yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, our documentary will be released around 2021ish. It will take a bit of time, but we are currently working on it, you know, continuously. Uh, Jonathan, I took over as the he is the producer, one of the producers of this documentary, um, and I think, I think it'll be great for want to see and it will really expose what is happening and it really it, it really shows what planet Heist is we we are a company that doesn't that doesn't have squeaky clean documentaries our stuff is raw our stuff is real and our stuff is out there to show the people the truth
1: right there's a built-in tendency for all of us, us I should say for most of us almost all of us uh, at least, To defer to the institutions that exist and to have a sense of implicit respect for and trust in these institutions, be they judges, courts, lawyers, uh, uh, medical facilities, doctors certainly fits into that whole attitude stereotype. These are experts. We trust them. They'll do the right thing. They've sworn to uphold high standards, the Hippocratic Oath for Doctors, the Constitutional Oath for Judges and Lawyers. Attorney, gen- attorneys general and district attorneys. So we want to believe in what they do. It, it's a natural thing for us to want to believe in what, what, what they do, uh, will be for us. But there is a disconnect because the average citizen also knows that you cannot fight city hall and that, that, that you cannot expect justice in a courtroom. So there is yes. this, there's this crazy dichotomy in the average citizen where they know full well That you, it's a gamble to go into a courtroom. Chances are you might lose your entire inheritance, the entire uh, bank account Uh to pay for getting your kid back from social services or to deal with litigation between family members. It's
0: it's so nuts, you know, the, I wouldn't say most judges are corrupt, but there's so many out there that, that just are so corrupt and so, it's it's honestly unbelievable when you look at the child services and you know t- I know that you've been working with um you know some people we won't name names right uh, but we uh, we've been working with some people that have um you know had some problems trying to face these child services and especially the laws that are like you know put put in the way to make it so it's harder to really battle against these um, these people. How about you tell me about um, your experience with the child services? Laws and the the people that are trying to go against you in that in that um, area.
1: You mean it, just without naming the names, but of, of the yeah. people that I'm. Yeah, without
0: naming names, just give me like, you know, what is it like, you know, to be in that situation?
1: It's it was very well stated by the attorney that represented one of these people who was trying can to get... name the
0: names of the attorney, but don't name the person that we've been working with for the documentary.
1: Well, that will be hard if I because all of my documents that I've written have the names of people. So I, why do you want to withhold the names if you don't mind me asking up front?
0: You can, you, Jonathan. You can say the names. It's fine.
1: I just wanted to make. I just wanted to yeah. know what you were thinking.
0: Yeah, um, no, it, it's fine. I don't think it would matter. So yes, you can say the names.
1: Yes, including Don Juan Moses, who who I'm not uh, dealing with in terms of publicity for things that are, are tut, uh, that are.
0: Um, you want to abbreviate who? Um, who Don Juan
1: Moses is. You mean, do I want to summarize who he is? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Uh, Don Juan Moses is an African-American gentleman from Roxbury, Massachusetts, who came up to Maine about 10-something years ago. He's early 40s, and he lost his child, his children temporarily at least. We hope it's only temporary. uh, To uh, the custody of his former uh, girlfriend who he intended to marry, particularly since he had these children with her, even though he knew the relationship was very bad. Uh, she'd already indicated that she was unfaithful to him, and uh, he wished to be faithful to her. And uh, so she ends up with another person who is the new boyfriend with whom she was having relations, uh, evidently uh, it's clear through a cousin of his ex-fiancee stating that she was having relations with uh, the, the man with whom she now lives who has clearly given evidence of abuse as a, as a perpetrator both against uh, his son and the younger daughter who's autistic. In addition to the fact that the, the same ex fiance has exposed the oldest child, who was from a prior relationship or marriage, uh, who uh, clearly, uh, by the documentation of DHHS itself in its own files, it had the amazing temerity to actually print, type out the details of a pedophile being exposed and showering with the oldest child that... Of, of the woman with whom Don Juan Moses was intending to marry, uh, lived and, and was intending yeah. to marry. No,
0: yeah, yeah. See, um see. Well, tell me about, because I know you're talking about, and don't name names of any of the people that were, you know, the kids or the family. I don't want those names to be going out, as you know. That, you know, we shouldn't have the, that go out. But um, tell me about the... What happened between the pedophile and the and what the the victim said and they still didn't do anything.
1: The paperwork, the actual documentation that was shot down by the judge, even though I had put all these documents together to help Don because Don was absolutely overwhelmed uh, with the whole process. So I found myself having to do what he was hoping his attorney would have done, he had to fire his attorney because she knew there was bias written all over the DHHS approach to this whole custody thing and the abuse concerns. And she said, I know that that the DHHS is biased in this matter, but it's not my job to defend you. So now, with, why would they be biased? Why would DHHS be biased? Yeah. Because in order to deal with the fact that a registered sex offender had showered with one of the children in question and it was written on the DHHS file in the file itself. Uh, the fact that they put that out there, if they had followed up on that and dealt with it, they would have had to reverse the entire case. Because now now it would have been his white his Caucasian ex fiance having allowed this child not only to shower to be at the house with a registered sex offender, which is a violation of the law. But uh, they but they would have had to to recognize that the, the DHHS had made a mistake also in allowing that child to continue to be babysat at that very same pedophile's house, and that and, and that, that victim hold on.
0: also said that she, that victim also showered with the pedophile, and the victim also confessed to that as, as well, right?
1: the mother confesses to the child having showered with that pedophile not just the child oh my. the mother did so if DHHS had acknowledged the truth of this matter they it would have it, hit, it would have hit international news immediately so yeah. that's why they dragged their feet for months and months and months refusing to give don juan moses the file but we finally had access to it he was given earlier pages of it, so I think he had that earlier on, the evidence of the pedophile. But it's there in very clear language, unmistakable language, that Jessica's, the, 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 the gist of it is that Jessica, uh, uh, sorry, it's been a while since I've been dealing with that case, um, Pinkerton. Jessica Pinkerton, uh, admits, acknowledges that. What Don Juan Moses would have against her or hold over her is the fact that her son, her son from a prior relationship, marriage, whatever, uh-huh. showered with a the registered sex a registered sex offender who is Jessica's uncle, uh-huh. James James Buzzle. But next line, but it was only a one-time event. Jessica says, can you imagine that they did that knowing full well? that the law it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. knowing that the law in the state of Maine makes anybody dealing with children mandated reporters of any possibility of abuse yeah. and especially a social worker who goes to college who's trained to deal with abuse concerns and yet they had the amazing unmitigated goal to put it in their own documentation that this happened. Why? Very simply, the only answer is that they believed that they would never have anybody challenge them. They believed that this African American from Roxbury would never have the ability to hire a high-powered attorney to fight the case. So they wrote, wrote it right out there in their documentation that they violated the law as mandated reporters for child abuse and did worse. They were the, themselves the perpetrators of that continued yeah. pedophilia because they allowed that child to think continue. Think about how much
0: of that is going on, Jonathan. You know, we see this one case, and there's so many cases like this out there, and, you know, some of them are like, this is a... It's like, you know, it's it's so bad, but think about the ones out out there that we don't even know about, and, you know, it's just kind of d- it's disgusting that, you know, these, like the DHHS, they, um... They pretty much knew this guy, well they thought this guy had no power because of the color of his skin and where he was from. So they, they just like, they blew it off like it was nothing.
1: One they of the, one of the, it. one of the social workers at the Jetport Social Service building, which used to be uh, in a different spot, uh, moving from there to, to the Jetport, um, one of the social workers in a group with them, sitting with him one day, according to Don Juan Moses, said, Why is it that you don't have a police record? Because he comes from a notorious town in Massachusetts, where no one his age of forty years of age leaves there without you know, lives there by the yes. until the age of forty without having some kind of criminal background, some kind of police record. Why is it that we don't have a police record on you? They actually they had, that. they actually they came that. out and the, the person actually came out and said that in frustration because they went to all of his employers even at his, at his uh, invitation. He said, you can talk to all my employers. Maine Medical Center, where he worked with the preemie babies and he would help save babies' lives. Uh, Sweetser, where he worked with troubled youth and was so powerful and so influential because he has a great love for people and children especially. Elderly. Now,
0: now tell me about the incident where your friend was now, Jonathan's friend worked at a old people's home, and he got this news, and he had to come into the office of the manager of the, you know, whatever high up person is there, and tell me about what happened, and because. I think this is like so unbelievable that this would ever happen at an old people's home. You know what I'm talking about, Jonathan?
1: I do. Nurse Nina, Charge Nurse Nina, I will name names. I've been doing it all along. They know it. Name names, Jonathan. Name names. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Charge Nurse Nina needs to be dealt with by the state of Maine. She shouldn't have been given the wide berth to continue to exist there, and they they protect their own uh, through their, their systems. That's how it works. Uh, unless you bring enough light to bear on them, and then they have to fire them, and they do it quietly when they do. For example, the police chief for Westbrook, who knew about this pedophilia thing, because I published it, I brought the material out to the Attorney General's office, to her, uh, as well as to South Portland Police. She's been quietly transitioning to something else. Uh, Don Juan Moses recently told me she's... No longer going to be the police chief. I don't know if that's verified, but but that's what happens. They quietly move people on if they have to. If there's enough light shining, that's what we want to do with our documentary. Uh, that's certainly what we share as a concern, don't we?
0: Well, of course. Our main concern for Planet Heist in our upcoming documentary that you know I can't I can't talk too much about because you know it's still in the works. But yeah, you know, in a in a short summary, we are going to expose the corruption, and bring truth to the people.
1: Exactly. Allow for reformation. Allow for yes, change.
0: Exactly. Okay. You, you know, uh, you know, people, you know, it's it's time, you know, for an end of, of corruption. And uh, I think, you know, there will always be corruption,
1: you know, Jonathan and I know it, in, in any oh, in of oh, oh, life. Of course. You know, so our, our job is to expose
0: as much as we can. We won't, you know, we're not saying we're going to get it all, but we're trying to not just expose corruption. We're trying to help people. You know, you, you look at these, you know, the story of this um, this pedophile who is, you know, still in contact, who lives in the same house as a as um, these as this girl who her mother even confessed to say that that girl was showering. With the pedophile, no. me,
1: yeah, it was a boy, and it was not. The, it's a matter of the it child. Was boy. Yeah, it was boy a, it's a boy. For, okay, correction, a boy. And it, and it was not. Either uh, way, it doesn't matter. And it, it, no, but it's just, the audience needs yeah. to know the fact that yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the yeah. child did not reside at that house. It was a babysitting situation. He even work That's like that. Okay, so I, I got that wrong.
0: Babysitter. How, how could okay? How could a convicted pedophile? Be a babysitter. First of all, and you're being in front of that. Okay, say they say they're like, well, we have no proof of you showering with the um, with the boy, but then what about him being the babysitter? Is that, is that allowed? Do you know? I, I didn't know?
1: say the pedophile was the babysitter. The child was babysat at a pedophile's house is what I told oh, you. Oh,
0: babysat at a pedophile's house.
1: The, I the, see. the, I the wife you. of the predator babysat and had her eyes supposedly on the child, even though the child went out of her sight behind the shower curtain into the shower stall with her husband, with her husband. I see, I see. So the babysitter knew this and admitted this in one of these powerful moments of truth, in which she was flabbergasted because the child comes out uh, into the foyer or to the open area, or not to the well, comes through the area where there's a, sh- a bathroom downstairs, where there's a shower downstairs, and the boy looking to Don Juan Moses and his then intended wife, or at least that's how he always put it. Fiance, ex fiance is how he always described it. Uh Jessica and, and Don Juan Moses stood there, along with Jessica's mother and her uh, husband, along with the predator and his wife whose house they were at. And the little boy is there in that area where the bathroom is. And that boy says, this is where we shower and she's and 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 the child, the boy said that broski and I shower right here. Broski is the nickname mm, yep. for the pedophile doesn't isn't that sweet? he's got a sweet little name called brosky I mean,
0: it ain't sweet this is the pedophile, but yeah, I mean I understand.
1: So the boy, three, four years old, minimum three, uh, uh, probably closer to four, if I'm not mistaken, but don't quote me on the age, yeah. but the age is, uh, is clearly old enough to know what he was doing. And he said, Broski and okay. I shower right here, and the lady says, I never let him out of my sight. I sit right over here uh, when he showers, and her desk, when she described it, was not in line of sight of the bathroom door, nor can a child taking a shower. Behind-
0: Did she know that he was a convicted pedophile? Excuse me? Did the mother know that the babysitter was a convicted pedophile?
1: Yes, he's a registered sex offender. How could a family not know about that? He has to be careful not to be around any children, period. Never mind showering with the kid. It's a rule that the wow. social services knows about. So that's the kind of corruption. that you were asking yeah. about the nursing home with Nurse Nina and what happened with Don Juan Moses. The charge nurse saw that he was carrying, and you said this correctly, our intention is to help people. It's not to expose evil only. It's to expose evil with the intention of allowing people to have freedom. Yeah. And, and, and protection if they're abused. And in this case, Don Juan Moses notices that some people are being injured, some of them are being abused, uh, some people are being neglected, and he cannot h- handle it. In his heart, it is overwhelming because he took care of his elderly relative uh, before he died, his grandfather, I believe, as well. Or, or, I forget the details. But he took care of somebody. He actually helped one of them to get his legs going again by putting him in the swimming pool to get him to walk again. So Don Juan Moses was that kind of a boy growing up. He took care of his younger siblings because his mother was a crack addict, alcoholic, swinging both ways sexually in, in Roxbury. And so, uh, and the father was taken to prison for 40 years. He's just about to get out. through the Innocence Project for a crime he never committed. So Don Juan had to be raised in part by biking over to his grandparents where he learned the golden rule, how to treat people, how to cook, how to take care of his siblings so that he could take care of them so they wouldn't be taken by the social services. The threat was the children would be taken. So his desperate effort was to make sure that his siblings were not taken from the home because his mother was out of commission. Totally messed up. Tell
0: me about the... um track of what I was talking about for the um the old people's home he went up to the they called him into the office you want to say what
1: happened? Yes, I'm giving background on his character first so the audience knows gotcha, what kind of person he is. He, took, he head, had yeah. that experience of helping people. He worked at Sweetsers gotcha. for the youth, the young people. And people say, what do you do, pay the children uh, so that they mind you and listen to you because they don't listen to anybody else? He said, I pay them attention. That's why they do what I ask and why they cooperate and work with me. Because I give them respect and love. That's who he is. So he goes and he does the same thing at the nursing home. Nurse Nina finally calls him into the office. Because he's a threat to the establishment. They do the bare minimum. They don't do everything they could do to accommodate people who are paid to be there. Paying to be there. And Nurse Nina finally calls him in and says, Look, Don Juan Moses, if I had a relative, I would hire you in a heartbeat for my relative. But this is not a family setting here. This is an institution. This is the Barron Center. And, you know, you just can't be treating them like family. You know? And Don Juan Moses rises to his feet, all six foot four, African-American. And he's absolutely overwhelmed with grief. And he says, I don't know. And tears were running down his face and he turned around and had to leave the office. I don't know. I yeah, um, don't know. Stuff. You know, it's... He was brokenhearted. He, ch- he took the care of, of residents at a nursing home seriously. He took the, the training that he uh, had seriously, that he was a registered... I'm sorry, that he was a certified nurse's assistant. And that was to care for those residents and do whatever he could to make them comfortable. And he was absolutely flabbergasted. That's yeah. the story. And he was, and and he was fired. And he was ultimate, and he was ultimately fired because he insisted on protecting the residents, including my brother Jeremy, and that's how we first met.